no, it's <laughs> fine. really good. <laughs> it's fine. Um, hey, it's me. Remember me, Max, the host of this podcast. Um, I'm still alive. I uh, moved overseas after an existential crisis, and that's why you haven't heard from me in a while. And I wanted to honor this amazing new country that I'm currently living in, and that country is Australia. You may have heard of it. Um, And to that extent, I've decided before the new season, the rest of the second season launches in a few weeks, I'm doing a little bit of a mini mini season, hopefully about three episodes, with some amazing Australian podcasters, some of my favorites. And here today is one of my favorites and my favorite podcasters, and probably one of the ones I've known for or been listening to the longest. Um, that's Sarah of Good Nightmare. Sarah? Hi. <laughs> sorry, I'm so <sorry>, awkward. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. I'm doing this from the cuff and I don't have a script. So I'll, like, trust me, you're, oh, you're, good, you're me fine. Too. I'm the one who's, like, panicking internally. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've just, it's been crazy. My life's been crazy. I really wanted to get back into doing Relic. But I also wanted to just do something different and a little bit low-key. And I wanted to really explore this new country that I'm in, which I'm, I'm sorry, this sounds so weird to you, Sarah, me saying a new country, like I'm in this exotic, it's not, everything is all relative, nothing is exotic, we're all just products of where we are, circumstantially born on the planet, and then everything else is just new to us, that's, that's how it works, but for yeah. me, Australia is really cool, I've, you know, I've visited here before, um, and I really like the country, so I'm here in Sydney now, currently, and I'm, I'm learning a lot about the country, and I'm also learning there's a lot of mysterious and spooky things about Australia that, again, not to exoticize, are a little bit weirder than what happens in America in terms of the paranormal. I feel like in America, it's just like, you got your ghosts, you got your aliens, maybe a Bigfoot, and like, that's it. And then like serial killers, but that's not supernatural. That's just unfortunate. <laughs> so... um yeah, a lot of creepy things, but uh, Sarah, you know a lot about creepy things because of your podcast. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my podcast is called Good Nightmare, and on it I kind of cover murder cases, a little bit of folklore, and just anything a little bit strange and creepy, usually from the 1800s and before. I guess that's basically it. I just really like the topics that I mean, it's called Good Nightmare because it's about the things that give you nightmares or would show up in your nightmares. So little disturbing facts of life. But Yeah, you, you, you've you spoken a lot about uh, your nightmares like on Twitter. And um, I feel like if you could record them, you could like have a burgeoning film industry of like horror just from like your subconscious. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm on board with you. They're They're not fun, but it is cathartic to talk about them. I feel like. It really is, yeah. Yeah. So I know that you've grown up here and you're um, you're from Melbourne, uh, correct? Did I get that right? You did. You did really well. Okay. <laughs> Would you say that Australia has a little bit more unusual mysteries and phenomena compared to the rest of the world? Or is it just kind of like old hat to you? To me, it's very normal. But like when I hear about other countries in the world that have... Um, like for example, like Russian fairy tales and stuff, I'm only just starting to learn about the spirits and things that they believe in. To me, that's like really new and strange. 
but the stuff that we have here, I kind of grew up with it. So I'm very used to it. So to me, it's just like every day. Right. So what subject are we going to be talking about today? So today we're talking about the Min Min light, which is this mysterious light that appears to, I guess, just to people (laughs) in the outback of Australia. And it's, um, I'm still kind of new to this topic, so I'm still learning about it as we talk about it. But um, it was mostly reported by, you know, Indigenous Australians. And then as the Europeans came over, they also started to experience it quite frequently, which I find really interesting. And there's not really any explanation for what causes these lights that just appear to people and kind of... Um, like if you head towards them, they'll disappear or it's almost like a mirage of sorts. And it's just a really strange phenomena. So I, when I was hearing about this and reading about this, my initial perception was it was like UFOs. Like you would look up in the sky and you would just see kind of like orbs. But as I understand it now, it's more like you'll just be walking about and you'll see kind of like orbs in the distance as if they were kind of closer to the ground. Is that correct? Yes, so they float kind of just above the horizon from my understanding. Are they like small or are they like big? I think, um, yeah, it kind of varies. Like people say that they see, some of them see like larger kind of blurring lights and some it's more of just like a little twinkling and then um, the colors also vary apparently. So some will see like a black light or a red or a green and it might change color while they're looking at it and others will just see like a white light. So in a lot of, so I was doing a little bit of research on this and as I understand it, it's not just in one area of Australia, but it's kind of relegated to mostly the out parts of the outback in different places. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it was, um, kind of concentrated in the one they called Min Min because of the settlement area where they kind of originated or were first seen, but it's also been reported in heaps of different areas in Australia. Um, So you've got New South Wales, Queensland, which is all up the east side, which, and then even apparently South Australia. So it's kind of just all around, which is really strange because you would kind of think that if it's this specific phenomenon, it would be occurring in just this one area. Like most folklore is kind of caused by something that happened in that one space and that's the only place you'll see it. But yeah, apparently this happens everywhere. It's interesting. Um, I I kind of wanted to go into the fact that even though that this is located here, there's other places in the world where stuff like this happens. So in uh, the the uh, Rubalkali Desert, um, a lot of nomadic people have reported seeing it like when they're like out and around in the desert. But all over the world, you could find stuff like this. So to me, when I realized that they were kind of like orbs it reminded me of the will of the wisp which is something you would see in england primarily but also in america yeah that's the first thing that i thought of when i heard about these was the will of the wisp as well yeah um so the will of the wisp is essentially kind of like a fairy like a ghost light you would see when you're like walking the fens of uh england in like the mists like which like you know trailing your horse behind you late at night as one does and you would just see these lights and they were said to um either kind of 
bewitch or ensorcel travelers to, and because you know shiny lights were humans that's <laughs> you know we're drawn to that and they would lead you into off the path or into danger although sometimes in other you know just with any kind of lore it's so varied like sometimes it's the supernatural thing hurts you sometimes it helps you sometimes it's just kind of however it's feeling today it's like a capricious kind of fairy type creature um, and that's kind of how it works in England, or or did anyway, until they started to clear out the swamps and drain them for making fields and farmland more like viable. Uh, so there's less there's less marshland in England, that, you know, nowadays. So the reports have gone down. What was interesting to me is that in the the U.S. they mentioned the Marfa lights, which is in Texas, and I always thought the Marfa lights were like a reoccurring UFO phenomena. But it sounds like now it's more like these more terrestrial or closer to the Earth anyway lights that you see just kind of coming off the ground uh, in in Thailand on the on the Mekong uh, riverbed. Uh, there's a uh, annual festival, which I forget the name. I'm really sorry. I didn't write it down. But there's an <laughs> annual festival uh, at certain places on the Mekong uh, River where they see the Naga lights. And it's almost something that it's... With the Min Min lights, it sounds like it kind of just happens whenever it wants to happen. Correct? Yeah, I think so. They kind of... It's almost like they choose when they want to appear to a certain person as opposed to kind of... You can yeah. set your clock by it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is you can almost set your clock by it here in Thailand. Uh, so the Naga, just a quick kind of lore rundown. The Naga are beings that appear in Hinduism. They're like s- kind of like snake people. Snake yeah. people? Um, <laughs> uh, to borrow something from Steven Universe, one of my favorite shows. Um, they're like snakes from like the waist down occasionally and then portrayed kind of being more human from the waist up. They are considered divine entities. It seems like it's, again, it's one of those supernatural beings that could hurt or harm you, but they're definitely revered and respected in all cases. And the Naga lights are said to be fireballs that the Naga, who of course live under the water because they're snake creatures, breathe up. And um, I guess maybe in sort of a celebration of this kind of, I'm not sure if there's any spiritual tie to this festival. And I really should have done research on that. And I'm really sorry, audience. That is my mea culpa. But this festival happens and these lights appear along the the water. They like pop up from the river, the riverbed and shoot up into the sky. And people still don't really know what's up with them. And people still don't really know what's up with Will-o'-the-Wisps or Min Min lights in general, which is interesting. And approaching this from like a pragmatic you know, skeptical but still open-minded to other things that we do not understand. It's interesting to me because there's so much about human history that we thought was spiritual just because we didn't understand it. So like lightning, things like fire, natural phenomena that's just weird, eclipses, things that happen so infrequently that it's not enough to collect data on, but when they happen, it's just so weird that it like shakes your worldview. And we've attributed that to the supernatural for so long. And then slowly over time, we realized an eclipse is just, you know, the moon and the earth shadow or whatever. I'm not a scientist, Sarah. <laughs> um, or, you know, um, ball lightning, which we're still not really grasping what the heck that is. But we know it's definitely something. But with Will of the Wisps and Min Min Lights and just orbs, fire orbs, there really isn't a conclusion to it. The most prevailing theory is that it's swamp gas, 
that like phosphoresces right yeah i think so it just kind of like uh it, get, it like catches on fire because swamp gas is just like it's all these it's oxidation of phosphine diphosphane um methane which is flammable and it just kind of like catches fire and because of like how it moves through the air it looks as if you know it's almost sentient and so pe- when people say they approach min min lights or will of the wisp they start to move away from them and that's scientists believe that that's just kind of the human body pushing the air current away and it's not like a creature or anything but it is mysterious and it's not something you can really produce or reproduce in a laboratory which is what's so puzzling about this. Um, oh, just a quick aside. In kind of my culture exploration of this, there's there's mention that in, in Mexico, these lights are sometimes known as the luces, luces, not Italian, luces <laughs> del dinero. I don't speak Spanish either. Or money lights. Oh. Um, or the treasure lights, which it's luces del tesoro. Um, and they're considered basically ghosts that lead you to lost treasure. So that's on brand for this uh podcast of course yeah (laughs) but um as i was and i'm gonna hand this over to you just to kind of like you know get your opinion or your thoughts as i was reading this it reminded me a lot of the phenomena from uh it's reported from skinwalker ranch do you know anything about that sarah have you heard no i haven't so so skinwalker ranch is and this is something that i would want to devote a whole episode to potentially is a uh, plot of land out and i want to say arizona or new mexico i'm probably gonna be wrong on that but it's a plot of land that was a ranch that was built in an area where the indigenous people of the area were like this is a no-go zone bad spiritual energy like super bad do not go there so naturally white white people were like let's go there (laughs) and they built a ranch there and over time, the various families that have lived there have reported really weird phenomena, like David Lynch weird stuff, like voices from the air and really strange kind of Lovecraftian creatures. But one of the things they report are things like the Min Min lights that just kind of appear. They appear sentient. Like these ones are very weird, though. So like they like react to you. They like float around you. They interact with you. The Min Min lights sound like they're a little bit more... They kind of just like float away or something, but I. But yeah, so Skinwalker Ranch is definitely something to look into, um, and that's what this reminded me of. But what's what's weird is that I also remember he- reading something um, pertaining to the Min Min Lights, where someone tried to shoot them and they vanished, and then they reappeared again. I, I don't know, Sarah. What what do you think? I feel like yeah. I'm kind of starting to like just derail my thought. It's just such a bizarre. Like, <laughs> there's so many like instant conclusions I want to make, but I want to hear your thoughts in general okay so when i was reading about it it said that there was um a couple of different theories so it could be like you said the swamp gas kind of thing which is one of the most hilarious names i've ever heard of but (laughs) but also the bioluminescence so like bugs might be eating certain algae or something like that and then kind of like i guess you guys have lightning bugs is that how they work I've got no idea. Uh, fireflies? <laughs> oh, no. Does Australia not have fireflies? That's so sad. I'm not sure. Oh, no. I've never seen one. I know we have glowworms, which are really cute, but I haven't seen a firefly cool. before. Yeah. So uh, lightning bugs are basically, they're a type of beetle. I'm not an entomologist, so I might be wrong <laughs> with that, but they look like a type of beetle. And like uh, they just, they're black with kind of like a red tail to them. 
and they have they produce a chemical called luciferin that when it reacts to oxygen it just lights up like a like a almost like like a glow star like you'd put on your ceiling as a kid like one of those oh i love those <laughs> okay i was like oh i hope that's the yeah, thing that is yeah. <laughs> uh, but they so they flash so you'll be watching them and you'll just be it'll be like a summer night it's usually early in the summer that i mostly see them and you'll just see these kind of like green lights just kind of blink for like a couple of seconds usually lasts like one or two seconds and then blanks out and they just fly around and it's really pretty and magical uh i don't really know what the migration pattern or territorial spread is for fireflies or lightning bugs so i don't know where they are found but they are found where i grew up in in new england so um they're really cool i feel like they're so small though that you would not mistake them for min min lights which sound like they're a little bit bigger like, yeah that's that's the like thing they balls yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah that's the thing they and also the fact that i assume that they kind of fly around in little swarms or clusters whereas the min min lights it sounds more like it's just one or maybe two kind of large orbs of light so it doesn't really kind of fit with that theory okay is there did you were you able to grasp on how close like up close to these lights people got like are they always in the distance or are they things that like you can like approach and you can like actually like see around it like almost 360 um i think they're usually kind of in the distance and it said that when you walk towards them or approach them they kind of move away from you almost it's kind of like chasing a rainbow you can't get any closer to it than um yeah, I don't really know how to describe it. <laughs> but yeah, there's no way that you can really like capture them or get close enough to see what's actually making the light. It just continuously will just move away from you. Interesting. Well, I I do want to just have a quick aside before I throw it back to you. There was a um uh a geologist here in Australia, um uh, Dr. He's has a very Polish last name. Uh <laughs> Krajelnicki, I'll just say, who (laughs) did an experiment with an Australian uh, neuroscientist named Jack Pettigrew, who they they believe that essentially what was happening was the cold desert air was trapping light seen on a highway. That makes sense. Cars or headlights coming, and it was like trapping the light. And so it was essentially, even though you'd be nowhere close to see them you like near like the proximity of like an automobile you'd still see the lights and because of the cold air it would just refract them in a very bizarre way and they they did test he was driving 10 kilometers away from the, the professor Pettigrew was driving 10 kilometers away from the campsite where um the other researchers were to test this out and the researchers uh at the campsite said that they could see the the car and the way that the light was refracting them it changed like the headlights from red to orange to yellow to green which is what's reported with the min min lights that they change colors so that could be a possible explanation i think that's the one that i also because i was reading about the i don't know how to pronounce it the beta morgana mirage which is basically what you just described where it's like a light that appears just above the horizon yeah i think that's the one that kind of to me feels the most valid yeah 
So the one challenge to that where it's like, well, maybe it is something weird and spooky that we don't know about is that these have been seen for a while. And Australia has a very long history. It was really, it was colonized only like the last 300 years, but Aboriginal civilization is like 80,000 years old. And so these were reported by the indigenous Australians. Um, And also just like, in the acknowledgement of this, like it's always good to to remind people that like Australia is uh, as a country as a concept is on stolen land, so it's just good to kind of acknowledge that and just yeah. you know or that is colonized as people who are colonized here. So um, like Aboriginal people like ref- basically said that they would see Min lights all you know f- infrequently, but they reported that they showed up more once white settlers came. So that's mean, mean me like that kind of when I initially read that was like, oh, is this something spiritual? So there's a there's, you know, the the frame of reference for many um, Aboriginal nations is um, and this is a problematic term that I it's, would take a lot to kind of unpack here. But for the sake of just kind of an umbrella, which isn't really fair either, uh, the dream time. Yeah. Uh, is referred to generally kind of any sort of spirit, any sort of spiritual talk of, you know, things, phenomena that happens here or like a worldview or a cosmology in uh, many Aboriginal cultures um, and the various nations and tribes. So I was wondering if like the Min Lights might have anything to do with that. Like, you know, like there's like maybe a like a song line or a story that explains them. That information isn't readily available online. It might not just be readily shared among, um, you know, non-Aboriginal people. So that's that's fine. It is just something that I kind of wondered about. But um, on the more scientific side, when I did read that about how it was reported before white settlers and white colonists, I'm wondering now if if we're going to go with the scientific theory that what um, certain tribes were reporting or, you know, Aboriginal people were reporting was uh, the campfires just kind of on the distance. Because if headlights can reflect far away and trap light, then it's and kind of create this strange phenomena of changing colors of like orbs on the horizon, then probably fires can as well so you'd have maybe there'd be a a clan or a family 10 kilometers away from another clan or family and they would have their campfire and so they just have that blazing fire and then uh 10 kilometers away this other family would see this these strange lights because of the 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 cold air trapping them so i'm wondering if that's maybe explains it you know before you know, the arrival of the colonists. And then maybe the reason why, um, you know, Aboriginal people were were seeing these lights more after colonization is because of just industry and technology, like, you know, torches and flashlights and headlights and trains and all these things that create more light than just, you know, fire, which was what was available to, you know, Aboriginal people here. So that's my theory on that. But now I think I'm just rambling. So Sarah, I want to hear I want to hear from more for you. Do you think this is supernatural scientific? Oh, it's such a hard line because I really do like to um I like to be really open-minded to the more spiritual side of things because I think from a cultural standpoint it's really important to acknowledge and respect that. But at the same time, the scientific side of things is also really interesting. And science and spirituality, I think, can um, 
they can kind of cross over at some points. Um, ultimately, I think my favorite theory is, oh, I'm going to have to lean to the spiritual side and go with that. It's a kind of a will of the wisp type of phenomenon that it's some kind of spirit of the land or something like that. That's either guiding people or appearing to people on its own terms. Do you think it's a spirit of like a deceased human or do you think it's something a little bit more beyond like human? I'd say something beyond human, almost like the spirit of the land itself, if that Mm. makes sense. Um, Yeah. But if I, yeah, if I did have to go scientific, I would definitely go with the refracted light theory. That to me sounds the most valid and the fact that they can reproduce that as well is probably the closest to what we're going to get to an explanation until we have maybe different methods or more knowledge to be able to explain it. Yeah. Huh. Well, I am going to be going up to a more rural part of Australia at the end of next month. It's not the outback. It's closer to the Great Barrier Reef. So if I see anything spooky out there, I'll be sure to let you know. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is just, it's really puzzling to think about. I don't know. Well, Sarah, is there anything else you wanted to bring about? bring up about the subject um no I think we've basically covered everything it's yeah it's just I hope one day I get to see something like this I think it would be really incredible I think yeah yeah it's one of those things you've really got to experience for yourself to understand the I guess the magic and the strangeness of it all um Sarah where could people like sorry listeners like a relic find you um, so if you want to catch me on social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at goodnightmare underscore S and via email. If you want to chat, I'm at goodnightmare underscore S at outlook.com. And in terms of listening to the podcast, I'm as many places as I can possibly be. So iTunes, Spotify, um, I've gone completely blank, Castbox, Player FM. I'm on all of the places. So just look me up at Good Nightmare and you'll find me. And folks, she's really good. Like one of the best narrators in podcasting. Oh, thank that's you out so there, much. To be quite honest. That's <laughs> uh, sweet. Oh, no worries. <laughs> so um, Relic is going to be coming back soon. I don't have a set date for that. It will probably be April, knock on wood. I'm hoping to do more, um, at least two more episodes with uh, Australian podcasters as well to kind of, you know, tied people over as well as sort of maybe you know introduce relic to people here who are listening to podcasts um but in the meantime you can also now find me and on a radio station here in sydney so 2ser um is a radio community radio station uh that broadcasts out of uh university of technology uh, the frequency is 107.3 for local listeners, but you can stream it online if you're in the States or also in Australia and just can't be bothered to turn on your radio. So it's 2SCR 107.3. I do two segments, one called Vegemite Pizza that explores the differences between Sydney and New York, as well as the similarities. I do that with my host, Sid, and um, a, co- a producer who is sort of the voice of Sydney in this, uh, Beth. And then I also uh, co-produce and co-host Five Minute Mysteries, which is kind of like this, but only five minutes long and open up to a lot of unsolved mysteries. And they're bite-sized segments of the spooky unexplained, as well as trying to debunk that. And I do that with my co-host, Siobhan. So that's on 2SER, Vegemite Pizza, 
Five Minute Mysteries, you can search both of those things. There's two episodes of either at this point, and um, those will be ongoing for the foreseeable future, so check that out. But other than that, you can find me online at Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod. And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right. <laughs> go see go find some spooky lights. Absolutely. Right. Thank you for All having right. me, by the way. Oh, anytime. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Good night. <laughs>